1: Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mary Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Maris testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kci.org privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning?
2: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about all the identity theft services, and we're going to find out about some best practices for these services because people call us all the time and say, Mari, what is a good service to use to help me protect my identity and to deal with identity theft if I become a victim? So, I want to introduce you to a wonderful guest who we've had on several times. She is a fabulous consumer advocate. She is, in my view, a great mediator to deal with all sorts of uh, people from various different entities who have different viewpoints. And let me tell you about Susan Grant. Susan Grant is the Director of the Consumer Protection and Privacy Department at the Consumer Federation of America, and she works specifically in the areas of privacy, identity theft, online safety and security, telemarketing, electronic and mobile commerce, deceptive marketing, fraud, and general consumer protection issues. Lots of stuff. She's got many hats. She heads the Consumer Federation of America's Consumer Protection Institute, and she conducts CFA's annual consumer complaint survey. She is a recognized authority on combating consumer fraud and deception, and she began her career in 1976 in the Consumer Protection Division of the Northwestern Massachusetts District Attorney's Office, and later she held positions at the National Association of Consumer Agency Administrators and the National Consumers League And then she went to the Consumer Federation of America staff beginning in 2008. And she's been there doing a great job ever since. You can find out more about this wonderful consumer help at ConsumerFed.org. And you can find out more about Susan at our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Will you see her picture and we link to the website. So thank you Susan again for joining us. Thank you for having me again. It's wonderful. You always have so much to share. Let's talk a little bit about the Consumer Federation of America and what it really does for consumers. A lot of people aren't familiar with you.
0: Well they may not be but they're probably familiar with our members CFA is an association of consumer organizations around the country, so some of our members are Consumers Union, AARP, and other large organizations. There are also midsize and small consumer organizations operating all across the country, and they're CFA members.
2: Yeah, and I wish that there were more because there used to be consumer uh, organizations to help. Con- uh, and even in Orange County, there's no longer one here. So it's it's really unfortunate they haven't gotten that funding. But thank goodness you've got a wonderful website with great information. And so tell, tell my audience a little bit about what's on your website so they're going to be sure to go to that consumerfed.org
0: Actually, I'm glad to announce that we've just totally revamped the main Consumer Federation website, consumerfed.org. It looks so much nicer than it did before, and it's much easier to find information. So you'll see that there's a section on consumer protection, and there's various subsections underneath that, including fraud. But now there's also a whole separate section about privacy, And under that, there's a subsection about identity theft. I should point out that we also have a special website that's just about identity
2: theft, idtheftinfo.org. Right. That's a great one. Well, let's talk a little bit about what, what you've been doing. You have put together a wonderful task force, and I've been so honored to take part in that. But you've had a wonderful task force about the... Um, the best practices for identity theft protection services. And, you know, people nowadays uh, get those letters of of security breaches. They're worried about HIPAA. They're worried about all these things. And so many people really want to know, how do I even choose an identity theft protection company? So why don't you tell us about how you got that whole thing started and what's been going on?
0: Well, you were in on the very beginning back maybe in 2009, 2010, right. when we started looking at identity theft service providers. And these are the companies that sell things like credit monitoring and monitoring your um, personal information on the web and um, alerting you to uh, possible instances where somebody may have um, stolen your information and is using it. Um, There are lots of companies that provide a range of ID theft services. And what we found when we started to look at them was that at least some of them were misrepresenting what they could actually do for consumers and not making clear Um, how much they cost, and exactly how they worked. So um, we put together a group, including you, and um, people from some consumer organizations and people from ID theft service companies to develop best practices for the industry. These are... suggestions, not anything that's binding on them, but suggestions for how they can conduct their business properly and treat consumers fairly. And we came out with the original best practices for identity theft services in 2011. But over the years, um, things have changed. There have been some um, new trends in the industry and issues that have arisen, Um, that caused us to think that maybe we should take a fresh look at the best practices and decide whether they needed updating.
2: Exactly. So let's talk about some of the things that were originally in the best practices that we, you know, I know we had a lot of negotiations, and that's when you became like the best mediator around because you had consumer advocates on one side, And uh, then you also had on the other side the companies and their marketing people who really were excited about the programs that they were offering. And so there was sometimes, um, you know, disagreements about what consumers should have and what companies should do. So let's talk about some of those things, and then we can kind of update what you've done, you know, just recently.
0: Well, you know, when you're selling something, you're always um – tending to kind of exaggerate. (laughs) But there's a difference between exaggerating and misleading consumers. So um, some of our concerns in the best practices were about things like um, uh, uh, statements that implied that these companies could actually prevent consumers from becoming victims of identity theft, when that's not really what they do. What they do is alert you to the possibility that you may already be a victim because um, of a change in your credit report or something else that indicates that someone may be using your account or um, opening a new account in your name. And um, uh, they alert you to this uh, maybe more quickly than you would otherwise find it out so that you can take the steps necessary to resolve the problem. Uh, So one of our concerns was um, implying that they uh, could protect you from becoming a victim when they can't. We also had concerns about things like um, the insurance or guarantees that they offered, which um, were sometimes um, described in a way that really um, could mislead people about um, what kind of... um, uh, compensation or services they would receive if they became victims.
2: Right. Sometimes people thought that they were going to get a million dollars if uh, That's
0: right. That's <laughs> if they right. became
2: a victim, and, and that was a little confusing,
0: right? <laughs> right. And the other um, main concern that we had um, was about the fraud assistance that uh, these companies provide and how they describe them, because, um, again, that varies So um, in some cases, it may be um, sending you some information about the steps that you need to take to resolve your ID theft problems. Um, In other cases, you may have uh, a person that you can call who's dedicated to your case and um, gives you um, uh, uh, advice. Uh, To the other extreme, where you give the, the company a power of attorney, and it does everything that needs to be done to resolve your problems for you. So uh, we, we, what we found when we looked at the industry was that it was sometimes really unclear what kind of fraud assistance um, they uh, were providing. And um, when we sat down to do the best practices, uh, we thought about some general categories of um, information um, that really need to be clearly Um, describe to prospective ID theft service customers like um, what exactly are the features of the services and how do they work? If you're going to get alerts, what are you going to be alerted about and how are those alerts going to be um, delivered to you? Um, How much does it cost? You shouldn't have to find that out only after you've provided all your information on the website and click to enroll Um, And um, uh, what exactly is the fraud assistance that's provided? If there are guarantees or um, uh, uh, some kind of insurance offered, um, what do they actually provide? Can you see that before you sign up? And, And those were the kinds of things that we covered in the original best practices
2: right and then just recently um, you've done a great job in really enhancing those and you had a press release about it. let's talk about version 2.0 and what are some of the new trends and issues that that arose that that you know caused you to enhance them well
0: one example of a new trend is free trial offers oh, these yeah. have become a <laughs> a common way to solicit consumers to try an ID theft service or any kind of product or service. And then the way they work is that you're not charged during the trial period, which is usually a week or two. And then if you don't do anything to cancel, you begin to be charged from that point forward. And there have been concerns about free trial offers, again, not particularly about ID theft services, but in general. Right. in terms of um, not making clear um, that consumers have to take action by the end of the trial period in order to avoid being charged, and um, it being sometimes difficult for consumers to actually cancel when they want to. Uh, We hadn't addressed free trial offers in the original best practices, so we wanted to add a provision that calls for ID theft service providers to, that offer free trials to clearly disclose the terms of the trials and provide a simple mechanism for consumers to cancel if they want to.
2: Exactly, because I know many consumers thought if it's free, why am I giving you my credit card? You
0: know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> a- another um, thing that we addressed that was a new trend was um, – Credit scores. Right. Many ID theft services now provide credit scores as a feature of their programs, which is great. They can be very useful educational tools. Mm-hmm. But consumers mm-hmm. may not realize that there are lots of different models that are used to create credit scores, and that the scores that an ID theft service provider may give them may not be the same score as a uh, lender might use if if they went to get a loan. So um, we wanted to add a section about that um, that says that the ID theft service should um, provide clear explanations of any credit scores that they offer and not misrepresent the nature of those scores.
2: Right, right, exactly. And then you even talked about um, sharing Uh, financial information and social security that that was a a big issue about whether they are going to share your information with third parties so talk a little bit about that that's always scary for consumers
0: well it is and especially people who are worried about becoming id theft victims or may already be so we have some information in the original best practices about privacy but we um made those provisions stronger and clearer so that um, it's very clear now that um, if you are going to um, share information um, uh, for marketing purposes, um, that y- you have to let consumers know that um, and that you shouldn't share for other purposes unless consumers agree. And um There's a whole brand new section in the best practices about breach services, and some of that section has to do with um, sharing breach victims' information because that's, of course, especially sensitive. The, The reason why we have a new breach service section in the best practices is that this has become a really big business for ID theft service providers. Um, When a retailer or a financial institution or a government agency or an organization suffers a breach, they often um, pay ID theft service providers to provide services to the affected consumers. And um, uh, we hadn't addressed breach services at all in um, the original best practices, so we have a new section on that. And the the first part of the breach section is really about when ID theft services are selling their services to these kinds of entities. Um, Just as consumers should have clear information about the features of their programs and so on, so should these entities be given clear explanations by the ID theft service providers about what the features of their programs are and how they may be able to help the breach victims. Um, So that's one part of the breach um, section. Another part um, has to do with sharing the information about breach victims, and it says that um, you shouldn't share any of their personal information for any reason other than... Um, providing the breach services, so no sharing for marketing or any other reason and and um, actually, we found when we were discussing the best practices with the working group that um, most ID theft services already follow that they they really don 't share um, breach victims. Uh, personal information, in some cases because the contracts that they have with the entities that have been breached forbid them from doing so, but we thought it was very important to have a best practice in that regard. And then the final section of the breach um, part of the new best practices has to do with trying to sell um, breach victims services after the free services that you've been providing to them Have ended, and um, we give some guidance there about how to approach people properly to uh, sell your services if they want to continue to receive
2: them. Yes, and it's an ever-changing landscape, isn't it, with with, with all other breaches. Let's talk a little bit, and those are wonderful, The all, I mean, the way that you put that working group together and the way you were able to help them come to some good agreements that, that really do protect consumers, I think, is, is laudable for sure, Susan, because I know what that's like when you got everybody from different perspectives to pull them together. So uh, you're a, um, a magic maker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. You know, um, it's always a challenge. And actually, although we uh, released the new best practices in, in November of this year, last, we could, yeah. have done it, um, could have done it months before that. But something came up right before we thought we were done that we thought we should address, and that was that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, took action against a couple of companies for a problem that i hadn 't heard about before, and, and maybe you had where um, people were being charged for credit monitoring services that they never in fact um, received
2: uhhuh uh-huh
0: and what, what we found out when we discussed it is that there, there can sometimes be problems that actually prevent ID theft. Services from being able to deliver those kinds of services for instance if you if you signed up for credit monitoring but you don't have enough credit to have a credit file at the credit bureau about you mm. then they can't provide the credit monitoring to you right. um, uh, because there's no report to monitor or um, maybe you were supposed to um, give certain information in order to authorize them to access um, your credit report, and you never provided the, uh, the required information to do that. Um, so what had happened in the instances that the um, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was concerned about was that even though um, consumers weren't getting these services, they were still being charged. And the ID theft um, service providers weren't paying enough attention to see that hey, these people aren't getting these services, we right. shouldn't be charging them. So we have uh, a new best practice about that that says that um, they, they need to um, keep track and make sure that they can see... Um, that people are receiving the services for which they're being charged. And if they discover that people aren't, they should try to resolve those problems as quickly as possible. And and if they can't resolve them, um, they shouldn't be charging the consumers, and they should give them the option to cancel. Now, in some cases, it might be part of an overall service that, where the consumer's getting the other part, um, and maybe the consumer wants to continue, even though a right. particular part of the service can 't be delivered to them. Well, that should be the consumer 's option, right. so we were able um, with some back and forth um, to agree on that, but it just shows you that there 's always something new that comes up that you have to learn about and then think about how to deal with
2: and it also puts some uh, you know a uh, responsibility on us as consumers to look at our, what's being charged and are we getting it and and making those calls directly to the company and letting them know so it doesn't have to go to the consumer financial protection bureau <laughs> but you know That's you right. know i mean we also have a duty i mean i look at my credit reports i look at my credit card statements whenever there's a question i immediately get on the phone and say i don 't recognize this, or i didn 't get this or something, so you know as much as we really should make sure that the companies are doing their job, we also have to be uh, you know responsible for ourselves and really look at what those statements are that 's right. we
0: have to be vigilant and and if we um, and, and if you have a problem of course whether it's with an ID theft service or any other company. You should try to resolve it with the company. But if you try and you don't succeed and you you still think you have a legitimate problem, then um, you should report to the appropriate consumer agency Uh, because that may not only help to resolve your problem, but it might resolve larger issues that are occurring, bigger problems in the industry.
2: Right. You know, I noticed that you guys had um, a a very important um, press release about stopping the damage from IRS fraud, and that's an important thing. I get a lot of calls from people who say they're victims of, you know, tax fraud. And so um, that's really an important issue, and there is... A uh, a new bill that was introduced by Bill Pascrell from New Jersey, and that bill is uh, how is that doing out there? Do you know? Is it is it moving anywhere? And not yet, but it's uh, really um,
0: fairly new. It's the Identity Theft and Tax Fraud Prevention Act of 2015. Um, there have been um, other bills and. Um, The problem has yet to be adequately addressed. CFA supports that legislation. And I'm glad you brought up what I wrote about that because one of the features of consumerfed.org now is blogs. That was a blog, and we've never had blogs before, and I'm so excited. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a little bit different than a press release. It's much more conversational. Right. Um, it's quicker to do. And um, so when you go to consumerfed.org, um, if you go, for instance, to the privacy section, you'll see privacy and identity theft related blogs that I've done. And you'll also um, see many of them on idtheftinfo.org, our ID theft website, because um, in the spirit of um, always repurposing whenever possible, right, right. Um, we use uh, we use identity theft related blogs as the latest news articles sometimes um, on um, on the idtheftinfo.org dot org website. So um, the the latest news articles are always changing on that, and um, also. Um, You know, I'm just cranking
2: out those blogs. So Yeah, it's great. Very happy
0: for people to check them out.
2: Yeah, after you do all that work. Well, there's another thing on the website that I think is really helpful and this I send people to that website all the time because they'll call me and ask me, you know. Who should I use or what should I do? I don't even know how to analyze. And you have a um, a wonderful help sheet called Nine Things to Check When Shopping for Identity Theft Services, which I think is very helpful because people don't even know what to ask. So I, I really love this. You know, you have here um, do claims on the ID theft service website, Uh, advertise their advertisement, make you think that you're going to be protected no matter what. And some people are shocked after they have credit monitoring that then they became a victim and they weren't even warned. And and They don't understand how that would happen. And I said, well, it could happen at work. It has nothing to do with necessarily your credit report. It could be happening in many other different ways, which, you know, they aren't, they aren't, aware of it. That's right. Well, I'm really glad you um,
0: brought that checklist up. Um, When you go to idtheftinfo.org, there's a tab that you can click on um, about shopping for ID theft services, and you'll find that there. And um, you'll also find um, advice about choosing um, uh, ID theft services from other sources, such as the Federal Trade Commission. Um, There's also information on the site for people about how to protect themselves to the extent you can from ID theft. There's information about uh, what to do if you're a victim and links to lots of other resources. Uh, The other thing that might be useful for consumers to look at is the About Us section on idtheftinfo.org because not only does it have the best practices there, but it lists the um, companies in the working group that agreed to publicly support the best practices.
2: Right. And I tell Uh, people those are the ones you want to look at because if they've signed on, that means that they are going to hopefully hold themselves accountable to those best practices.
0: It also lists um, you
2: and uh,
0: (laughs) the consumer organizations um, that um, helped to, uh, to work on the best practices. So, um, you know, we're, we're we're happy um, to have that section there because everybody who um, was involved in in that hard work really deserves
2: credit. Well, you deserve credit, my my also. friend, and it is time to go. So thank you right. so much. Just give that uh, website once more, and then we got to run. Thank you very much, idtheftinfo.org. Okay, you keep warm, and we cannot wait to see you again. Thank you so much for all the great work you do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning on KUCI, and visit our website at slash. Privacy Piracy, where you can see our upcoming guests and listen to archived interviews. Thank you.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.